Hello, friends, and welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Colleen Johnson, and I'm here to guide us in raw conversations about thriving in life and work so that together we can step into personal agency and stop letting life happen to us. We'll cover topics like health, boundaries, communication, finances, and worthiness. That badass business you've been dreaming of, it's not so far off. The desire to wake up feeling fully alive, it's right around the corner. So we can go ahead and get started. And um, I'd love to have you just kind of introduce a little bit about who you are. Um, You do motion design and you're a course creator, correct? Yeah, so I'm Austin Saylor. I am a freelance motion designer. Been freelancing for about three years, but I've been doing creative work since college, I think about 12 or 13 years ago. And I also have more recently been doing course creation. So I teach people how to animate lettering, very niche kind of a thing. And I have a full Harbor membership. Very cool. Yeah. I looked a little bit onto your website and I love that you kind of honed in on just doing the, the lettering. Um, that's super interesting. What made you specifically choose to go into lettering? Well, it was, I kind of fell into it really. Um, I knew that I, that it was a powerful thing to niche down into a specific type of work. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. It was just like this concept in my head. I was also getting into motion design, so I wasn't stuck on a style necessarily, but I I, uh, stumbled upon meeting a bunch of people who were really good at lettering, just creating custom lettering, whether that was for logos or social media content. And um, yeah, I met them at a conference and that day I, I stole one of their not stole. I, I took one of the graphics off of their Instagram, their lettering pieces, and on my iPhone created this little like kind of crappy animation, but it, I, I put a lot of work into it and it turned out kind of cool. And I told the guy the next day, I was like, hey, I did this thing with your lettering. He was like, that's amazing. And so that was kind of my first, it just, I was dipping my toes into something new and he had plenty of stuff for me to animate and some other people that he was friends with. So I've become good friends with these people who are great lettering artists. And it just kind of kicked off this new new passion of mine. It sort of organic, but then I decided to make, it was a decision, kind of a business decision to say, all right, I'm going to stick with this for a while and see if this turns into anything interesting. For sure. That's super cool. I, I feel like it's always interesting to see how those things kind of organically come about, but then it also takes some intentionality to actually hone into that one thing and whatever that looks like. Um, that's super cool though, how that happened. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to share a little bit of how we met. So, um, everyone understands kind of how this conversation came to be. Um, so I got an introduction to you from my husband, Alex, because you guys are in a mastermind together, um, where you, You'd kind of just meet bi-weekly, is that correct? Um, met every week, actually, for oh, okay. like eight weeks. Cool, cool. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have a pretty fun group, and you're primarily motion designers, right? Yeah, we're all motion designers. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Definitely beyond my field of expertise, but I highly respect that. <laughs> <laughs> So part of why I started this podcast is to kind of bring to light the real stories behind small businesses and entrepreneurs, um, because we're all kind of in this stumbling journey of learning to thrive together. Um, And I want to talk through like even how you just shared about kind of coming to animating lettering and what that looked like for you. Um, It was kind of like a, you know, you tried something and it worked and then you kind of stumble into, you know, giving it a shot with something different. Um, And I just love how 
organic that felt. Um, and I think that our origin stories, um, we often keep them so simple, straightforward. We kind of toss out the difficult moments or kind of those like, oh, this kind of worked and this kind of didn't work. Um, so I'd love to hear more about how you came to where you are um, in motion design itself. Um, so the good things, but also kind of the dead end ideas and maybe the hardships that you face that led you to be passionate about what you do. Um, so I'd love to hear you kind of speak to that a little bit. Absolutely. So I have a background in graphic design, which I also kind of stumbled upon. I went to college not knowing what I wanted to do. So I, I, what I realized leaving high school was that I really enjoyed the security of having somebody tell me what the curriculum was, what I was supposed to be doing. Like I had choices. I could choose between math and art, but I didn't have like the whole world at my fingertips. I, I was very focused. And then going off to college was kind of like this first time in my life where I could do anything and it was paralyzing. And so I didn't do anything for a while. I was kind of interested in engineering, kind of interested in psychology, kind of all over the place. And then just at one point I had to make a decision, what am I majoring in? And so I pivoted quickly into something random, which was uh, graphic design. I was not a strong artist, but I just decided like, that sounds cool. I bet I could do that. And, uh, and it just kind of happened. It worked out. And I kept going down that path of learning art, learning design. And out of, out of school, got a graphic design job, but the job itself wasn't particularly fulfilling for me. It was at a software company. I was working with the same colors, the same brand, the same everything. And I wasn't learning from anybody better than me. I was the graphic designer. And so I wanted to get my feet wet in the, the you know, professional arena. It's hard to get a job when you have no experience. So I was really stoked to get a job. And it was 2008 when nobody, none of my friends were getting jobs. It was just not a good time for designers. So I was really fortunate and I considered that to be like a great experience to have a job, but I also didn't know how to like pursue what I actually wanted to do. I was experimenting with lots of stuff. You know, looking back, I can see the value of the things that I was doing, but at the time it was extremely frustrating because I was not building my portfolio with the work I was doing at my job because the work was just like brochures and web graphics and just stuff that I didn't want to do more of. But I also didn't have that wherewithal to know that I need to work on my own personal projects. But I, I tried. I, I tried doing like uh, branding as like a freelancer, but I was, I had never worked with other clients. And so I didn't know how to navigate those waters. So I, I flailed and failed a couple of times. <laughs> I don't think I got paid anything. I had a couple of gigs that were like, we'll pay you like a hundred bucks. And I was like, cool. Well, like, I don't think I ever finished those projects because we stopped talking. It's, you know, just really bad experiences. For sure. I've had those. (laughs) Yeah. And it was really demoralizing at first. Just like, oh, I'm terrible at this. I don't know what I'm going to do. My future looked really bleak and weird. And I just was like, I got to get a job somewhere else so that I can learn more of how to do this business side of stuff. Um, And then, you know, that didn't work out. So then the job itself changed every two or three or four years. I was in, I ended up staying there for about eight. So I ended up doing UI UX work for a while. And I was like, well, this is interesting. And then it became less interesting and more boring. Uh, but then I, at the same, like, as soon as things would get boring, like boring to the point of like, I have to quit, something would change. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Now I'm doing video production. Like just enough to hook you in for the next little while. <laughs> yeah. I, had, I totally had the golden handcuffs because, uh, you know, like, the benefits were taken care of. I had a 401k mm-hmm. that was money. They, they were matching money. 
and mm-hmm. I got to golf and snowboard for free because of the software we used and our local nice. like golf cl- golf course and ski resort used our software and we got to do those things for free. So I was like, I don't want to give up to get, give this up. I can't imagine making enough money to go do those things. And so I'm living the life, but also hating my life. It was a weird dynamic that I wrestled with all the time. And my friends knew that I didn't like my job. I was trying to do a good job, but I just didn't like it. Um, and then it took the, a really random turn and did leather products. So I made wallets, belts, um, purses, coasters, mouse pad, like all sorts of, you know, accessory wow. type of things out of leather. That's so interesting. <laughs> it was very random. And actually it came from like, I was searching Vimeo for a while, watching videos, like these really cool video production stuff. That was when I was getting into video production. And I saw this amazing, like super creative video of these guys making leather shoes. And I was like, man, A, I love the video. So I was like, this is awesome. I want to do stuff like this. But also I could see myself making shoes because these shoes are like hella expensive shoes. I'm like, they're they're building these $800, $1,000 pair of shoes, but they're just the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen. And it's all made by hand. These guys are like craftsmen have been doing it their whole lives. And I'm like, I'm young enough. I could go learn that. And that could be my thing. So instead of diving into the deep end, I kind of got a friend of mine who was making some bags and selling at markets to teach me how to cut holes and punch holes into leather and sew it up. And so I got my, my feet wet with that. And I thought, this is really cool. I love making stuff off the computer and people started buying my stuff and it, it never actually took off. It just got to a place where I was consistently making things and consistently selling them. But you know, on looking back on it, I can see another one of those things. I can see the value in um, exploring with something new. Uh, and it, I got, what was cool is I got to do like the branding for it. So I made a logo. I worked on marketing. I was doing social media posts, learning how to sell, learning how not to sell, like how what, what works, what doesn't work, customer service. So running a small business like that, that didn't, I never made money. Like I never made a profit off of it. Um, I, but those side hustle kind of things, they always teach us something like we're, we're not always sure until afterwards, I feel like, yes. but like you said, you learn so many different things and even just understanding customer service that speaks volumes when you do enter a service-based business. Um, because you know, service-based, we have so many different things we have to tackle with clients. Um, so it's super cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm nodding my head really hard over here. <laughs> so, awesome. so yeah, that led me to a place of feeling a little frustrated that I put year, like two, probably three or four years into really trying to build this brand full heart. I called it full Harbor, which I now use that name for my motion membership. Cause I, I, love I that. really enjoyed the name. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was frustrating to leave that. And around that time. So let's see, this would have been 2015 ish, I think. Um, and I, would kind of started to wind down the leather stuff. I, I wasn't posting as many things on social media. I wasn't posting, posting as many products kind of ready to slow things down and maybe quit. Mm -hmm. Um, and then ending that season. Yeah, it was, it was in my mind. I don't know if I had declared it or like cut things off, but it was like, it was winding down. And then we had this really crazy experience happen to us. Um, we were just about ready to go to London to visit my wife's sister. And the night that we were, we had like packed up, we're ready to go and we're leaving in the morning to go to the airport. But, uh, our neighbor who 
It's not our favorite person. He had a birthday party, got drunk, threw a cigarette in his trash can, and his dog woke him up because their apartment was on fire. And so we're in a small apartment building and he, we actually get, we wake up in the middle of the night. It's like three 30 in the morning and heard banging. And basically he was yelling to get people out of the apartment because it was on fire. And so, oh, wow. you know, we woke yeah. up, Rachel, my wife saw smoke out the window and she was like, Oh my gosh, there's a fire. And basically we barely made it out of there. Like we, I grabbed hard drives. She grabbed our dog and our, we had one suitcase because Rachel came back from seeing the smoke and she was like, what do we do? There's a fire. I was like, what's most important. So she was like, well, I, I have a suitcase full of stuff. I'm like, grab that, grab Willoughby. I'm grabbing the hard drives and let's get out of here. My it's like the, the joke that people make, like, what would you take if you were caught in a fire, but you had to like handle it in real life? Like, okay, it's what not do we theoretical. Want? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was really weird. And it was, it just happened so fast. Uh, I think we were the, from the moment we woke up to the moment we were down, like outside by our car was probably two minutes. And by the time we were down there looking up, there was like flames coming out of our windows. Oh, wow. So it was like wow. very, very close. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, and we lost everything. It, like, everything burned down. Um, miraculously, we found four, three or four uh, things that didn't burn completely. They were Rachel's childhood photos. It's absolutely insane. But besides that, we lost, you know, all the practical stuff, all the sentimental stuff, all my art, all my leather tools. So it was like really quite a, a both like a terrible time and just a weird time to refigure things out. Like we're not the only ones who have ever gone through this. It's not unique, but it's also not something we expected or planned for. For sure. And it just well, it, like, as you were kind of ending that other season, I'm sure that felt kind of uprooting. Like, yeah. oh, like I was, I was kind of prepared for like a season end, but not, not in this way where like everything kind of has, like it's forced to shift almost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we just like, we basically just decided that we're not going to let this like send us down a, a bad path. We're going to use this as a way to reevaluate everything we're doing. And it didn't change our life immediately, but it just gave us a different perspective on life. Like, you know, just it gave new meaning to the idea that every day is a gift. And so we decided to start making small changes. Like I stopped. Um, I stopped doing as much just random stuff and I started focusing a little bit more on motion design. I, at that point I was tr transitioning into motion design already, like enjoying it as a career just for the job that I had. And at that point I was like, all right, I'm just really going to focus and I want to, I want to just do this for my, for a living or I want to shift into that career. So, um, yeah, we just, we took that really terrible situation and decided like, let's make it better. And we've both been making moves uh, towards doing things that we're more interested in. Rachel left her job at some point and she's now pursuing writing novels. Um, I, it took me about a year to leave my job as a designer, kind of a catch-all designer to pursue motion design full-time. And at that point, Rachel had a job and she was supporting me. We had some savings and she was supporting us with her salary. And then at some point, my motion design stuff picked up enough that I could support her and her leaving her job to pursue something that wasn't going to make money right away. Yeah. And so we're just yeah. kind of doing that leapfrog thing where she supported me. Now I'm supporting her. Maybe if her books take off, she can support me doing something different in the future. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Alex and I have kind of had that tag team where like he had a job and then 
I started a business, and then it was at the tag team, and then he got to build up his motion stuff, and then stuff with my business kind of went south, and so then he's tag teamed, and mm. now I'm kind of rebuilding. So I totally understand that. It's like, um, it's kind of a cool experience, though. You, I feel like it really grows. Um, at least for us, it's really grown our marriage to like trust each other um, and to lean into that, um, especially during the transitional periods when you're really discovering more about like who you are and what you do want to be doing with each day. Um, totally. That's super cool. I love that. Yep. And I know there's probably so much more in there because <laughs> you're like sharing the, you're sharing the, oh, like we brought it, like wanted to bring it into something good and, you know, not allow the, the difficult things to kind of take over, but I know that there probably had to be a lot of, um, it, it takes time for those things to heal. Um, but it sounds like you guys really came out and brought a lot of light from it. So mm -hmm. cool. Yep. And actually it was interesting. So it, it being a very difficult time with the, the fire and all, uh, mm -hmm. Rachel decided to write like a journal, basically her, she called it fire diaries. And that was her kind of like her therapy for, writing everything that she felt and everything she experienced and was just very raw with it and put it all out there. And she actually, I, I don't remember if she told me or if I told her, but I didn't read her what she wrote. Um, she was like, I just need to write it. I don't need people to edit it. I just, you know, the, the first draft just needs to be me getting it out. And when I read it later, I was just like completely blown away with how, like, even though we both experienced the same thing, like the physical thing, same physical thing, but we experienced it emotionally very differently. And she figured out that she was able to express herself so much better through writing than by talking. I'm a verbal processor and she is a, like a, she writes to process things, which, you know, that was kind of the point of saying like, you really need to be writing more. <laughs> um, and it, that's, it's funny that that's kind of one of the things that, that really kickstarted her wanting to do that full-time yeah that's awesome um it's cool again like how things like that can really cause us to see ourselves in a new light almost um where different things that we may have thought of as a hobby or we may have you know just done on the side and it's like oh actually I really express myself while doing this and it would be really cool to see where it could where it could take me like absolutely um, yep that's so cool um so that kind of transitions pretty well into the primary topic where um, I'm guessing from these experiences is from, and from your various transitions. And I don't mean to cut you off if you wanted to kind of continue sharing. No, I think it's, you... a, it's a good time to okay. transition to. I was kind of like, okay. I don't know where I'm going to take this from here. No, that's great. <laughs> um, perfect. So kind of our primary topic is getting more done by protecting your sleep. So I'm guessing that some of these things kind of caused you to reevaluate your priorities and boundaries as you're both running different businesses. Um, so I'd love to hear you kind of speak to why you selected that topic um, and why it's important to you. Yeah. So actually making that switch uh, was not the, not at all what helped us set boundaries. Um, I, the setting boundaries thing has been more of a, the past six months or so. Uh, what what happened when we started to really pursue our our new careers was that we were putting like 110% into it, which we weren't setting boundaries because we're like, we just need to say yes to opportunities. We need to say yes to things that are possibities. And I'd, I'd gotten that advice from several people 
like don't be so don't be too picky when you're first starting like you're not going to know exactly which direction to go or what opportunities are right just say yes to opportunities so i did that which i don't think was bad and i don't regret it but i did recognize that over time i was saying yes to every single thing even things that weren't like good for me or the other person like it's not a great fit but i would say yes because well maybe something good comes out of it and i just this it it got to a point where i was sacrificing like everything for the sake of making somebody feel good because i said yes uh i used to be a people pleaser i don't identify as that anymore and you know at being a people pleaser i would just say yes like i can figure this out i can make it happen maybe i'll just sleep a little bit less um i, I just i wasn't doing it in a smart way it just it, it got to a point there was no like one tipping point where i was like no i can never do this again but i did start realizing like my eyes are bloodshot most days I'm really exhausted, not like the good exhausted going to bed. It was like, it was the, I'm exhausted. I can't stop thinking about it. And I know that I have to wake up in five hours and do it again. And I felt like I couldn't breathe anymore. I was just like drowning, even though it was like great opportunities. And on the outside, it looks good. Things were not great internally. And I just didn't have, I didn't have boundaries on anything. Um, So that was tough. Uh, I don't remember exactly what your question was. Oh, that's okay. No, I think that's just really interesting in general. Um, I feel like that's the state that a lot of um, business owners and entrepreneurs get to where, you know, as we're starting and as we're building things up, uh, we put so much into it and we do, we get ourselves to a place where it's so unhealthy. Um, And that's where, when you sent over this topic, I, I just love it because I totally understand what you're talking about. And I feel like when you were saying like, going to sleep and knowing you had to get up like five hours earlier. I don't know about you, but like my brain just keeps going. Mm-hmm. So like, I just like the whole night, I don't actually sleep when I get into a mode like that. My brain is just still going through the conversations and still thinking. So it's not even that restful. Um, so yeah, I just think that'll be um, really resonant with a lot of people listening um, because I think we do yeah. at some point we reach, we, we reach a, like a, a wall where that's not possible anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and we have to kind of start making a shift to prioritizing our sleep. Yeah, it's a natural place um, to get when when you when you do more work and you do good work, you mm-hmm. get more opportunities. Yeah, and that's just a natural progression. And you're if you don't have like I would have had no reason to set boundaries so much when I had a day job because they mm-hmm. set natural boundaries for me. You know, I worked yeah. eight hours and maybe a little more eight hours and change every day, but I wasn't expected to work overtime. I didn't have to mm-hmm. fight for my time off. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just naturally kind of yeah, happens that way. For sure. Um, so I know in my line of work, I find this to be pretty difficult when it comes to communicating with clients. Um, so this kind of just like moving on to another question, but can you speak to how you deal with like specifically engaging with clients and ensuring that they respect the boundaries that you set up for yourself? Yes, I can. <laughs> this is that I know that's a tr- tricky question. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm it's still that part is still a work in progress. I don't think I do that perfectly, but I know that I'm getting better each time. Um so one of the things that I just I try to be upfront about is that I I work till 6 p.m. Don't expect me to answer emails after that and I do that. I try to it's easier for me to explain this over the phone like if I'm chatting with somebody just be like hey just to let you know this is kind of what to expect for, you know, communication with me. 
for some reason, putting it in writing feels too like cold. <laughs> so if I can, I try okay, to communicate yeah. this through a, a conversation, but, um, but yeah, just, just explaining that I, I take off, I stop working at six. I work really hard while I'm working and, you know, I, I don't check my email after 6 PM. That way I can rejuvenate, refresh, and come back in with a fresh mind. It honestly helps out projects so much more than just trying to grind away. And like, uh, you know, if I work till midnight, the last hour of that work, I'm probably messing more things up than anything. So then I spend the night, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it's a bad system. So that's, you know, most people are like, I can stop it. I take off at 6 PM and they're like, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that we're actually talking about this today because, um, I don't know about you, but the time change really like messed with my brain. But then last night I was up working until nine 30 and then I woke up this morning and I like, I feel like I'm feeling all these things you're talking about right now <laughs> because I did not set that for myself even just yesterday. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's too funny. It's, uh, um, sorry, go ahead. I was going to point out one other thing that I think was kind of an interesting, interesting thing that helped me kind of set the boundaries was creating a rough outline of what I want my day to look like. Now, as, as like an entrepreneur, I work from home. I can, I can set my own schedule. So this doesn't apply like totally completely to people who have a job. Um, but I do remember hearing other people talk about this when I had a day job. And that was one of my things, like, I would love to get to a place where I can schedule my entire day and it's my day, you know? Uh, but my, my general schedule, I, I consider my day starting when I go to bed. Um, because if I, if I, if I consider it when I, when I wake up, then it, I don't know, it just, it all starts with when you go to sleep. If I'm going to get eight hours of sleep, which I always do now, um, it, that starts when I go to sleep. So that's my day. Uh, so I try to go to sleep between nine and 10 PM. And if, if I get in there within that range, for, for me, I figured out, I don't do well with just like at this time I will do this. I'm not a robot and I don't operate very well like that. So I yeah. give myself little, <laughs> little ranges of successful. Like if I can go to bed in that time of success. And then I always just set my alarm to be uh, eight hours after I go to bed and I go to bed, I go to sleep pretty quickly. So I don't stress about like putting in buffer time. I literally just, I conk out so fast. Um, <laughs> so then I wake up at, you know, between five and six and I spend about a uh, an hour or two working on things that are future focused for the business, whether that's like building an accounting system that works for me or setting up something new. I'm trying is like a profit first system. And I know that will be like, help me set, help set me up for success in the future. Um, that could be something about writing a course that I'll be able to sell multiple times, those kind of things. Um, letting that be the first thing in the day. Those are the things they often get pushed off to like, Oh, I'll do that when I'm, when I have time while I'm making that time in the morning. No one's expecting me to work at five in the morning. So I, I can claim that time for me. And then something new that my wife and I are doing is we're both going to the gym around 730 and then she goes to yoga. But while she's at yoga, I write and read at a coffee shop. And then we both get home around 1030. And that's kind of when my day, like my work day really starts for like, whether that's freelance clients, that's my like immediate work stuff that has to get done. And so I just... I really focus. I put my phone in another room. My wife and I do like these 90 minute sprints of let's focus for 90 minutes. And then we come back and we'll eat lunch and we'll do another 90 minute thing and go for a walk. Then do another 90 minutes. 
And it just, it really kind of breaks up the day into manageable chunks of time to stay stay focused. And just that kind of cadence and that rhythm and routine has like given me so much more, like that's the bound, that's how I've been able to set those boundaries and say like, all right, cutting off work at six. Um, But I know like, I'm not perfect with that by any means. I have a, I now started tracking it on my phone, just like a daily habits kind of thing. Did I, did I shut off at six? And right now I'm at like eight out of 10 days I've, I've tracked that I've actually tracked it. I've, I've stopped at six, but the days that I don't, it's like a thing. It, it didn't feel good that I had to keep working because I know that's time that I could spend making dinner with my wife, hanging out with her in the evening, and then actually getting to bed on time. So every time I don't do it, it's like a, ugh, that sucks. I want to do better tomorrow and actually make it so that, make it so that I can stop at six. But then there's like the opposite too, where I stop at six, but I didn't get everything done. That also doesn't feel good. And that usually happens because I got distracted during the day. I didn't do my 90 minute chunks. I actually kind of slipped and just like, oh, let's look at Slack. I'll check my email, keep Twitter up all day. Like those are the things that keep me from getting my work done at six. And so if I stop at six, but I didn't get my work done, it's like this, oh crap, tomorrow has to be better. And it just kind of keeps me in check and keeps those boundaries pretty strong. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really interesting to kind of hear the schedule of your day and like how you um, have that really aligned to kind of your priorities and such. That's really mm-hmm. cool. And I think if, if we talk, up. if we talk again in six months, uh, it would, the schedule will probably be different, but For sure. it'll all, yeah. you know, it's all just a t- experiment to see what's working best and getting the kind of an ebb and flow, mm-hmm. ebb and flow for what's working with life, um, at that point in time for you. Yep. That's awesome. That's something that I definitely love about the entrepreneurial life. Like we, there's a lot of difficulties in it and crazy um, parts of the journey, but then there's so many aspects of it that are really cool where we do get to set our own schedule and kind of um, grow, grow with ourselves and learn to trust ourselves um, and establish our schedule in that way. Yep. Absolutely. That's cool. Um, So you've talked a little bit about how these practices have allowed you to spend more time with your wife in the evenings. Um, That in mind, I'm assuming that quality family time, it sounds like quality family time is a value that you hold. Uh, What would you say some of the other driving values are that lead you kind of as you're developing your business, as you are allowing this schedule to ebb and flow? Mm -hmm. What what are those values? Uh, One of the things that I've really valued more now that I I feel like I'm building a business rather than just trying to survive. Yeah. The first year was definitely a, can I do this? Can I survive as a freelance motion designer? And once I realized like, yes, this is possible. Then it became, let's focus on what is the business? What, what is, what is this thing I'm building? Um, And I, the, the phrase that I, what is it like? I want my, my business to work for me rather than I work for it. Yeah. Um, I love that. <laughs> I, I've kind of felt like that works and that that's real, but I never, it's, it's, let me rephrase this. I like that phrase, but for some reason it hasn't clicked totally until today. I was actually writing some answers for these questions and I was like, all right, if, let me reverse it. I think that if this connects better with me personally, my my reason for existence is not to work so that my business stays alive. My business exists so that I can live a more meaningful and fulfilling life. Mm, yeah. And by giving the business like that condensed boundary, I'm no longer like a slave to the 
all the little tasks that have to get done because the, the tasks will never go away. There will always be more work. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of my driving values in terms of giving myself those boundaries is I don't want to be beholden to my business. I want, I want to make it in such a way that it, it, it serves me rather than me serving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that. Just like slight rephrasing really does make that kind of resonate more. That's yep. cool. Yeah. Um, so a few of the other questions I had, how do you start your morning? You kind of, um, outlined that already, mm-hmm. um, which I love again. Thanks for sharing that. Um, who are your, some of your favorite role models or kind of mindset expanders when it comes to running a small business in a healthy and productive way? Great question. Uh, it's, the short answer is there's too many to say, <laughs> but to, to start with a few that really have made a big impact. Um, Pat Flynn is, uh, a, to me, a great example of somebody who runs a very truthful, honest, and service-oriented business. And that's the direction I want to move my business in. Um, some other people, Sean McCabe of Sean West, uh, he's made an huge impact on the way that I approach my diligence and uh, show up every day to become better at what I'm doing. Um, Tim Ferriss was huge back in the day. When I first started my job, I read his book, Four Hour Workweek, which was kind of like a, I got a free, you know, when you get up, sign up for Audible, you get a free book. And I was, you know, somewhere in public, I think. And uh, I was, I was flipping through all the books you could get. I saw Four Hour Workweek and I thought, Ooh, that sounds really good. So I looked to my right and I looked to my left. No one was looking. So I got it. It felt really, you know, like cheesy and dumb sounding, but man, it really made such a big impact on the way I thought about like, Oh, I like, I think Steve Jobs said this, but he, he basically mentions this in the book that the rules of the world were made by people no smarter than you. You're, you're living by all these rules that people have made kind of made up and you can figure out how to make new rules. And when you run your own business, you're creating a, a new world. You don't have to run by everybody else's rules. So it was very enticing to me to, 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 to like one day make my, have my own business where I can create a, a system, a world that I want to live in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that. I have yet to make it through the book completely. I'm like the world's slowest reader, Um, (laughs) but I've heard so many good things about it and I definitely have to read that one. Um, It's funny. I haven't read it in a long time and I don't know if I read it now, I don't know if I would be like, this is the best book, but it's one of those things where the time and place where you are Mm -hmm. determines how much you appreciate a book. I've heard, I've heard some people read um, books that have made a huge impact on me and they're like, it was okay. I've read books mm-hmm. like that before. I'm like, well, if it was the first book you had read, you'd have been like, this is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like the routines, how you're saying like the routines, we, it might shift depending on the seasons. I feel like books are similar mm-hmm. or different teachers. Like we may need them in one season, but then in another oh, yeah. season, it's someone a little bit different. Um, and I, I kind of love that concept though, because it does show that we're, we're not static beings. We are constantly kind of in motion on a journey. Um, so it's really cool. Yep. Gary Vaynerchuk's another one of those guys that I, I love listening to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't agree with everything he says, but I love the core of what he says, which is basically like, um, like care about people, do the right thing. Don't mm-hmm. be a jerk. Like 
I, I'm yeah. probably not characterizing a lot of what he said. He says it with a lot of like cuss words and all this crazy stuff, <laughs> but like, there's just a lot of like wisdom that he, that he puts out there. And it just, it, it has this weird bravado that's crazy and <clears throat> wild, but it, for, for whatever reason really inspires me to uh, like stay focused and, but I can't listen to it too much. Like he puts out so much that I could listen to it all day and never do anything and then, yeah. and then get tired of it. So I go on little, I go on these spurts of because a Gary V kind of month, or mm-hmm. maybe it's time mm-hmm. to listen to Sean some more, or Pat Flynn is really talking about some stuff that resonates with me right now. For sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just trusting your intuition and what you're needing in the moment. Exactly. <clears throat> so cool. Um, so kind of another question that I had here was on your journey as a business owner, you shared a little bit of this, I think in pieces, but what's one way specifically that you lean in when things do get difficult? Hmm. I don't, I don't think I have a great answer for that. Uh, because when things get, it depends on how difficult, if it's, it's like a, there's just a lot to do, mm-hmm. then I really try to rely on, um, my routine and keeping those boundaries as tight as I can, but allowing the flexibility to, to expand if I need it to, like, if there's like, for instance, this week, it feels funny. I'm talking about giving myself boundaries, but this week I took on three projects. Then they're all overlapping at different parts of the week. So I know that for four days this week, I will not be able to finish at 6 PM. I'll probably be working till nine or 10, but I also, I know that it has a boundary of four days. So I'm giving myself this leeway for four days to do it because I know that the payoff is uh, extra money. That's really nice. I can put that away and have that for like, you know, that's going to pay me in the next two months. And so I'm building up some, it's intentional. It's not just because I'm like, I can't say no, Um, that there is enough of a payoff, but then as as soon as that's over, I'm going back to the 6 PM kind of thing. But that's like, this is kind of lightweight things are hard. Uh, the, the times that things are really hard are when, um, like I launch a new thing and no one buys it, which has happened. I launched, a like a one-on-one coaching thing or kind of really small group coaching, but at like a high price point and one person bought, but I was really thinking that six were going to buy it, which was going to sell it out. And it just, it really hurt kind of like a, Oh, this is, I thought this is what people wanted and what people needed. And I thought that I'd be perfect for it, but obviously only one person thought it was good. <laughs> and I, I, you know, at that point, th- those are the hard points when it's like, am I doing the right thing? Am I going the right route? Am, am I just wasting my time? And it took a few days to get over that, you know, just like being sad about it and not knowing if this is what I should do. Um, and at that, those kind of moments are when I try to go talk to other entrepreneur friends and explain what's going on. And, you know, it's kind of like a, Hey, be honest with me. Like, was this stupid of me to do? And they're almost always, it's like, no, it just didn't work out. Like you're learning something from it. And most, most of the time I feel like the answer is let yourself be upset, sad. Like the sadness is not bad. But what you do afterwards, like, don't let it completely demoralize you from like continuing on and pursuing this thing that you know you're good at. Um, 
I'm sure there are points that there are points in times when people are doing things that aren't going to work. Like I did several projects before going freelance with motion design that didn't work. Um, and I think that it was fine that I quit and it didn't continue those kind of things because I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. But like in this kind of scenario, I know that it's working. I just did something wrong in the process. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just being in communication with people that are like have my back. That's like probably the best thing for me. Yeah. That's awesome. So kind of like an accountability group, but also in a way mentors that are peers. Yes. Um, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's, we all need people like that and we're all going to run into things where I know I've had a couple of launches where I've been trying some new things and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But like you said, it's always a learning process. Um, there's one author that I love to read. He's goes by Prof G. I don't know if you've heard of him. His real name is Guillermo Wolf. Um, but he does, he has this book called you are a dream. And I just love reading through it because he, really just shares kind of this process of learning and growing and how whenever you start something new, you can, you know, if it doesn't work, you just take the next step and like learn from that and kind of just keep growing. And that's really as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as creatives, that's what we're called to do is kind of continue this ongoing piece of art where, you know, we're just adding on different layers to the canvas, testing out different things until we kind of create this masterpiece. Um, Yeah. I think this is a, I can't remember where I got this idea. Oh, Sean McCabe. He he was talking about how, um, when you mess up, like, let's say, like, say you're setting up a new system where like you want to have a routine every day. I'm going to work on my personal project every day. I'm going to work on this or that. And it's really, or like every day I'm going to exercise or I'm only going to eat certain amounts of food or whatever. It's easy to get really demoralized when you mess up one day. It's like, ah, oh, I'm screwing up. I, maybe this isn't for me. Um, but a really neat analogy was that he was like, every day is a little splotch of color. You know, when you're looking at like a pointillism painting, when you're really, really up close, you see all the little things and you can even see like, Oh, that's, that's a weird stroke there. That doesn't work, (laughs) but you pull out and it makes this whole painting and all of your days Mm -hmm. create this painting of your life. Mm -hmm. Everything, every day doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, that's an impossibility. And it's this weird thing that our brain does where oh, it has to be perfect. Um, but, or even like your streaks of perfection, like I'm, I'm trying to be good with this daily thing or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, messing up even for like a month or a year or two years or 10 years, you can always come back to something and like, all you have is today kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's so good. Just every day is just adding a new little, little bit to your painting. For sure. I love that so much. Um, well, thank you so much for being on here with me and just being in this conversation. I have, I feel like I've learned a lot already from you and just been inspired to kind of continue my own routines and, um, start, start new ones. Yeah. (laughs) Um, before we wrap up, I would love to know and allow the, um, the audience to know where we can find you online. And then if you have any final thoughts or new releases or projects that you would like to share with us so we can kind of find you and be supportive of that. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, so you can find me on my website, austinsailor.com. It's S-A-Y-L-O-R. And then my uh, social names, it's, they're all, it's Austin Sailor, I-T-S, Austin Sailor. Uh, Twitter, pretty much Twitter and Instagram are my main go-to spots where I hang out. 
Cool, cool. And uh, I'm launching another version of the lettering animation course in a few months, but I'll be doing little launches of that in the membership for motion designers uh, periodically throughout the year. Sweet. That's yeah. so great. I love it. Well, this is awesome well, chatting with yeah. you too. I'm, I'm excited to to keep up with your podcast and hear what all hey. your guests have to say. <laughs> Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Um, I look forward to kind of seeing your new work that's coming out and um, to follow you on Instagram. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Reclamation Podcast. I hope it served you on your own reclamation journey and know that I'm rooting for you all the way. If you want to learn more about the show guests, head to the website, thereclamationpodcast.com. And if you found value in the show, five stars is always appreciated. Good things are coming for you. Bye for now.